Hello, and welcome to Lens, the podcast brought to you by British Screen Forum. My name is John Gisby, and I'm delighted that you're listening. Welcome to episode eight of Lens, in which I'm joined by Lord Hall, who was Director General of the BBC until 2020 and steered the corporation through its most recent charter renewal. I spoke to him shortly before he gave this year's Shirley Williams lecture, in which he called for a new debate about the future of the BBC. He expanded on those comments in our conversation and was both forthright in his belief in the ongoing importance of public service broadcasting with the BBC at its heart, but also the need for an urgent debate and a new consensus on what PSB should encompass and particularly how it should be funded. Here's what he had to say. Delighted today to be joined by Lord Tony Hall, um, uh, ex-director of the General of the BBC, having left there in, uh, in 2022. Tony, thank you for thank you for creating the time to be here. My my pleasure, John. Very good to talk to you. Um, uh, by way of background, uh, I think it's fair to say BBC man and boy, having joined the Belfast newsroom back in the day, um, rising through to the top of BBC News and then uh, then through to um, uh, and, and initially disappearing to, to go off and do the Royal Opera House and, and Deputy Chairman of Channel 4, but then coming back to be Director General of the BBC, which you left only a couple of years ago. Yes, that's right. And I, I came back in. Uh, actually, I was. I, I love the, the, the world of song and dance. I also love doing Channel 4. I think Channel 4 is an amazing organization and when you put channel four and what itv does what sky does through news and arts and the bbc together you've got a really great ecology and then that came back in the crisis um uh, of 2012 2013 um and it's interesting when you come back to the bbc people said oh yeah but you know the bbc don't you and the truth is um uh, it was very very different and i and i had that strange mix of being an outsider but also an insider um and i think that was actually i i, I found that particularly valuable but it was a very changed organization from the one that I left in 2001 and of course the environment in which it's working was very different too. And uh, of all the people we've spoken to um, as part of this series I think you've got a unique perspective having that, that that length of time very few people have of really understanding in a sense coming into the BBC uh, in the setup which probably looked fairly familiar I mean competition was there but it was a sort of fairly hermetically sealed system and the BBC everyone sort of understood what the different players were doing over the course of that time, utter transformation in terms of the technology and the broadcast market and viewer behavior and all the rest of it, but still the centrality of what the BBC, its public purposes and how uh, what it was for. But then as director general, taking it on a journey of, of kind of evolution to try and to, to try and wrestle with the future, which is essentially what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt going back to the BBC that, um, and having been uh, in the arts and in, and in culture, that the, the BBC should see itself as much as, as a cultural uh, institution, um, as a, as a as a business, as a broadcaster, you see what I mean. I think I think you know you've got to get that balance right. Um, I think it's as much about culture as it is about business. Um, I think when you look at the you know the key the key parts of what the BBC um, is doing and needs to carry on doing, and I think the public needs from the from the BBC are obviously around its journalism, um, it's around trust, impartiality, all these things which people keep trying to say are now um, rather old fashioned, but in my view, absolutely aren't. Um, and the pandemic showed the necessity for information that you could trust. Um, and the data that Ofcom brought back from the, uh, uh, on news from the pandemic showed that actually people really do trust the BBC. People need a, um, in my view, a rich and varied uh, 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 diet of views and, 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 and news. 
Um, and, and I think the idea, which to, to my mind is really important for the BBC, which is that um, you know, you're there to give voice to as many different people as you can, you know, the noisy uh, and the raucous, as well as the, the kind of the weak and the, the people who've been passed over, is, is, is really, really important. But then you get into, you think about the BBC's role in local, you think about the BBC's role in global, you think about the BBC's role in giving context to the events that are coming. And also, I think in the, in the, you know, the world where you know, we are being bombarded with news from all different sources, you don't know what those sources are necessarily, how trustworthy they are necessarily. That's the kind of world of social media. You need somewhere that you can go back to and say, this is information you can trust. And then the second thing, which I feel the BBC uh, and public service media more broadly is important for is, is as I said, our, 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 our culture. And, um, uh, you know, we had to face when we were doing the charter renewal in 2013-14, where there was no preparation for it. So we had to put together our pitch um, that even with the rise of the Netflixes, the rise of streaming, you know, you still needed a strong uh, BBC, Channel 4, ITV, that are producing content that matters to the UK, is about our lives, is about who we are, um, and kind of defines us, really. And, and I think that need is as important now as it ever was. And if you look at the data, I mean, I've forgotten the last couple of years data I saw, it's, it's something like 35,000 hours of, uh, of programme is produced by the, by the public service broadcasters versus you know, well under a thousand by Amazon and Netflix combined. And I think we've had the luxury of, you know, always being sort of assumed that we've got great broadcasting here. Um, uh, and that somehow, because we've got the streamers, uh, that's going to continue. And I don't think that's necessarily the, the case. And I don't think people appreciate quite what uh, the public service broadcasters are doing. And we've got to get out there and argue for it and have a big debate about it, because uh, I, I think, you know, people need to be concerned about what the future of broadcasting is. I mean, you've articulated there, I think, the, the, the answer to my first question, which is essentially what is public service broadcasting? It is that sort of ecology of, of, of creating content. Um, uh, if you look at the Ofcom principles around national identity, culture, informed citizenship, diversity and alternative viewpoints and, and, and getting that universally uh, available and, and watched or listened to. Um, from your point of view, uh, again, when you look back at the, the the data that you were looking at, how widely understood is that concept, if you like, of public service broadcasting by viewers? And 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 particularly, I suspect that the the, the challenge as we go forward is by younger viewers. I suspect there's a there's a cohort as you get older. Um, uh, there is a cohort of people who grew up with it and understood what it still is and can recognise it still. But as you come into the younger younger demographics, uh, not necessarily a concept that's 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 that readily graspable. I think um, it was sobering. I mean, one of the things we did when uh, I was at the BBC is to have um, um, audience sessions around the country uh, with those of us, Director General, Executive uh, Committee members, and others, uh, meeting audiences of all sorts of groups. Um, and it's 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 always a sobering thing um, uh, in the sense that you always learn lots of of, of stuff that you don't get from the data which you pour over because you know the BBC has masses of data you look at who you're serving which segments you're serving which serving which segments you're underserving um, uh, and you also look very carefully at the way in which linear consumption begins to drop off and you then want that to be taken over by uh, by uh, on-demand consumption and you hope that you can you know keep the a, a level between between both where the BBC is being used well by as many people as you can. 
but you know you're right the 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 challenge with a, a younger generation uh, 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 is to um, absolutely talk about the things that you can deliver for them the principles you kind of believe in uh, and get out there and uh, and make the case and 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 I honestly I, I think you can make the case you can win the case but in the noise that they're uh, um, uh, working in and living in, you've got to make it much more strongly, I think, than than ever we had to do in the in the past. And the keys to that are finding where they are uh, and being in those places with the content that you believe they 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 that will attract them. And then it's a bit like hammock, hammocking of old when you put a program you didn't know you wanted to watch in between two programs that you do want to watch to take them then back. The trick then is to take them back to the things um, that you you hope they'll they'll see. And I think there are roots into that through news, there are roots into that through comedy, there are roots into that through music, most definitely, and roots into that through drama as well. How well understood is, is it by politicians? So essentially, this is, ultimately, this is a policy intervention. You know, the, 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 the government of the day decides periodically what, what they want the system to be about. I suspect it's a possibly different viewpoint if you're a policymaker versus if you're a minister versus if you're an MP. But if you're sitting in the kind of the policy signal box and looking at the levers you've got to, to pull on to make change, how well understood is uh, public service broadcasting as one of those levers in terms of the policy objectives it can deliver? Well, I mean, I, I, I think, look, let me start off with being clear about this. I think there needs to be a very big debate between now and the, and the end of the current BBC's charter, a very big public debate um, uh, about what PSBs broadly, but also what the BBC specifically can, uh, can, can deliver. Um, I, I think there's a, a raft of issues around um, citizenship, uh, common ground, national infrastructure, which the PSBs and the BBC in particular can um, and deliver. What do I mean by that? You know, we all watched uh, the extraordinary coverage um, around the, the death of the Queen, um, the period of mourning, and then the, uh, I mean, quite amazing day uh, of her funeral. And there's a sort of feeling that somehow well yeah well the BBC and others they all do that don't they that's what they do that is an investment in an infrastructure uh, uh, of bringing us together which is really really important and I think um, and I, I think that is not always understood um, and it's really important if you looked at what happened during Covid um, when I was running the BBC we swung around and at least in two cases did major changes to what we did we, we delivered um, uh, for primary school children, we deliver for secondary school children um, material that was uh, uh, really valuable to them keeping their education going through, uh, through COVID. We also intervened and said we're going to actually help artistic and cultural organisations to reach audiences that are otherwise not there. Now, it's only because you have that uh, intervention, as it were, the BBC saying we're there to uh, enable the public to get to great things uh, and to things that either bring us together or are specific to them and are important for them as citizens or as people or whatever um, because you have a BBC uh, you can do all those things and I think that is probably not understood I think the other um, area which um, uh, I, I, I think is is there's, a, there's always a debate about the creative industries I think the creative industries issue has moved on terrifically in the last 20 years people sort of get the notion that there are creative industries, that they're growing faster than the rest of the economy, that they are an important part of our growth, they're an important part of who we might be uh, uh, in the future and our, our economic well, well-being. Um, but I still think governments need to uh, think very hard about 
PSB and the BBC's role at the center uh, of the screen and, and film uh, part of the creative industries. It's something we're really good at. Um, uh, globally, we're very good at. We're probably in that area, number two to the uh, US. But I would argue that the um, BBC and the PSBs are at the center uh, of that through uh, the decisions they make about investment. I think it was Tessa Jal who said the license fee is a great uh, investment fund uh, for the UK uh, in terms of uh, backing uh, companies that uh, have been able to grow because of the because of, uh, uh, of the BBC and particularly of, of course of Channel 4, uh, of training uh, in skills and there's now a skills shortage again. These are things which uh, I think deliver to policy objectives and I, I think these are things we need to be debating. And then the third thing I, I would say, which I think is really important in terms of policy, is that sense of place. Uh, I mean, I saw it uh, very much when uh, I put the BBC behind Hull City of Culture, and we did amazing things for them, including, by the way, putting Hull on the weather map, which is what they wanted, because it gave them a sense of identity, and that was important. But also, um, in the time that I was away from the BBC, I, 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 I went back, when I came back to the BBC and saw the growth in Cardiff, particularly uh, you know, around Roth Lock, and what um, over a decade or more has been done there in terms of growing the creative industries. The same thing has happened um, uh, in Bristol around the Natural History Unit, and boy, has the same thing happened um, in Media City, in Salford, uh, and, and in Manchester. And, and you know, we began to sow the seeds of, 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 of similar interventions in um, uh, in Birmingham too. So, um, so I think this is why, I don't think this is appreciated enough or given enough priority by, by government. Um, they've done a lot, but there is more to do. And I think when you come to think about the future of the UK and the UK's economy, a clear strategy around the creative industries is, is absolutely central. And the BBC, Channel 4, ITV, the public service broadcasters, Channel 5, at the heart of that, in the screen part of that is really important. <coughs> Excuse me. It's it's a one of the things that that um, we continually wrestle with at the British Screen Forum is, on the one hand, right now, if you look at um, the kind of PL the, the PL of UK PLC around high end TV and film, it's it's off the charts in terms of its success at the moment in terms of inward investment. Uh, one of the reasons for that is the ecosystem that uh, that is it's building off, um, which has it, arguably has public service broadcasting at, uh, at its heart. Um, but at the same time, some of the bits of that are creaking at the seams in terms of underinvestment and resource. Independent film is a, is an obvious one. Children's is another. There's, there's, yeah. If you look at if you look at some of the flywheels, they're not spinning as fast as they used to. But at the same time, if you look down at the other end of the telescope, it's, we've never had it so good in terms of the investment. And it's how those two pieces fit together in the creative economy. I agree. And and hooray for tax credits and so on and things which the government of uh, gov successive governments have taken very seriously. But if you look at the committee I'm on in the House of Lords at the moment, we're looking at um, the the. Uh, creative industries and you can I mean what's emerging already I don't know how the report will end up are um, strong uh, uh, issues around skills and the lack of skills and a lack of the right skills and I think that's that's important as well I think the other thing I'd, I'd, I'd say um, which doesn't get debated enough is so there's there's the the BBC always sh um, runs shy of talking about market failure um, but there are clear areas of market failure where the BBC is really important. And I'd say what it does in local radio um, uh, and uh, local media is, is really important there. So one of the things I did when I was 
um, director generals to set up a thing called the Local Democracy uh, uh, Reporter Scheme. Um, and that was because, uh, as we all know, local media in some parts of the country has been much weakened um, uh, because the advertising market's not been there. In some, some areas, it's, it's kind of thriving um, but because uh, it's, it's adapted, but in some areas, it's not. Um, and um, we set up a scheme which now has 165 journalists working for about a thousand different outlets uh, and producing loads and loads of stories. And my favorite anecdote from meeting um, one of these particular journalists was um, um, him saying to me, I went along to a, a local council and was told you can't come in, you're a reporter, you're not allowed in. And that was because no one had been there to report on what was happening at that council for a, a very, very long time. Mm. Now, that to me points to another thing which the BBC can offer, which is partnership um, to bring about uh, an end game, which actually helps the market to deliver. Because if you say that information is out there and anyone can use it, whether it's a small website or whether it's a regional newspaper, then that I think again is doing something fundamentally good for the environment in which we're all working. Um, which brings me neatly, I think, to, to the next question. I mean, the, the the models for PSB as you kind of trace them through the political zeitgeist as it shifts, it strikes me there's there's two. We had a, a great conversation with, uh, with Lord Putnam, uh, who very eloquently and passionately said, um, if we can justify an NHS for physical health, uh, then essentially PSB is the same for cultural and, and mental and, and citizen health. Um, and the same arguments can be made, which is that this is the this is um, this is common good. It's part of the duty of being a citizen. It's part of the social contract, uh, etc. Uh, the other is one much more around market failure, which is the market provides plenty of that, and there are lots of that that people can opt into, and choice has never been um, never been more available. Some pay, but but arguably a lot of a lot of uh, free, freely available stuff, and digital accentuates that. So really. Uh, I mean, the, the 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 conversation we have, I think, with John Whittingdale, you know, the, there's no shortage of game shows. Um, on the other hand, there are things that PSB does uniquely well, so let's focus on those. And there will always be an argument for creating creating stuff that should exist, even if audiences uh, aren't necessarily huge to watch them. But it's it's great that they exist because the market wouldn't provide them otherwise. Um, I guess the question is, which of which end of the pendulum do you do you do you play out on? Um, and how easy is it to still make that argument? Um, I, I think we need to make the argument. Uh, and um, if I have any, you know, criticism of, uh, you know, of me and others who've been in the BBC, is we probably don't make those arguments enough. And, and uh, you know, you, 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 it is only when you're completely bored with it have you kind of <laughs> enough. And, and we probably don't do, do enough. No, I, I, I'm in the um, cultural. Um, um, for side of what the BBC and PSB stands for, that there are things which are a part of our democracy that every person has a right to uh, and have you, and every person should have um, access to. So I kind of take the view that the, 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 the BBC is there, is there to provide good things that uh, you know you want, but also good things you had no idea that you, you needed. And that's why I think um, what it, for example, does with the proms or what it does with, uh, you know, giving um, um, access to great quality drama is is really important or or music for that example i mean I, I i loved when i was in the bbc bbc introducing which is doing two things one is it's um providing um everybody with access to 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 great music but it's also discovering new music and putting that in front of people and i think that sense of um discovery of innovation of finding new things of giving new talent a break is uh, really important so on the one hand uh, people having access to good things on the other hand, um, um, people 
also um, uh, discovering talent and 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 giving people access to to new talent. I think when you get into uh, uh, game shows and um, arguments about what other people can do, game shows, um, uh, then then the answer is I. But but the BBC can do things which are um, which bring people into what the BBC is about, um, um, which are done in a certain style that actually. Uh, is uh, non-exploitative um, and, uh, and and can um, feel um, uh, that you're getting something very valuable uh, from it. I mean, if you think, you know, uh, Strictly Come Dancing is a very, very BBC kind of format. It, it entertains people, but it's also about, you know, if you like the craft skill of dancing. And, and I think that's, you know, do you say that the BBC shouldn't do that? No, come on. Um, um, or if you think about Repair Shop, you know, Repair Shop has moved into the centre of BBC One. Is it entertainment? What is it? You know, it's 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 actually celebrating the fact <laughs> we've all got things that we want repaired and things that matter to us. So it's I I think the problem when people start saying, well, there's certain things that the BBC should do and certain things that 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 they shouldn't do, um, it, it it gets very muddled. The argument which I remember a lot was about sport. So why does the BBC do sport? Well, the answer is I remember um, Greg Dyke coming to me and said we'd we'd, we'd like the FA to be on the BBC. Um, and and he and I got it back to the BBC because actually um, you grow audiences. People, you know, the way the BBC does it actually, and and there the, the 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 FA and the BBC came and did something really big with that. And in truth, um, over the last uh, uh, time since I joined, you know, we made a market for women's sport by saying this is really really important. And if you just said, well, other people can do sport, that would never have happened. So I think I think. Um, it's not. It's never one thing nor t'other, um, uh, and I think it's the spirit by which the BBC goes into things that really kind of matters. You know, we're going to find a new format, find new talent, do something which is going to kind of in almost kind of change the world. I mean, if you think back to Blue Planet Two, um, uh, Blue Planet Two did change the way we all viewed first use uh, what single use plastics, uh, the use of plastic bags, um, and you could have said, well, you know, lots of people make documentaries about about uh, natural history, don't they? And 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 animals and 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 all that sort of stuff. So I think it's I, I think the the essence of it is it's a democratic force. It's there to find new 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 talent, but it's also there on behalf of audiences um, uh, to give them access to worlds they other the, the worlds they otherwise might not have access to, uh, and um, to do that in a way that appeals to them and puts the program first. Not how many eyeballs can we reach or how many ears can we get to, but the programme and the idea. And I think as long as the BBC sticks to that, it's doing something really, really valuable. Um, in a world where there is exploding choice uh, across uh, multiple different technologies, uh, it strikes me that, that the core of the BBC argument um, since day one, really, has been about universality. It's the kind of com it's it's the combination of it, it's the connection between universality and the funding mechanism, and therefore, the um, I think you once described it kind of it's it's the combination of trust and creative freedom that that gives the BBC, and the universal connection that that gives the BBC. That brings all sorts of conundrums in terms of how to sustain that. If, if not all audiences want to be part of that universal proposition, and essentially it's universal, it's, it's kind of a it's a universal subscription, but ultimately it's not one that people can really opt out of terribly easily. Um, can the BBC fulfil its remit if it's if it's not universal and also universal at at, at significant or, or reasonable scale? Um, the, the answer is 
you know, it could become a media company like any other. You know, you could say, put it behind a paywall. Um, we would be losing something culturally uh, in this country because um, the principle of universality, it goes back to what you want your citizens to have, is that everybody will have access to information, to uh, education and entertainment um, um, uh, and shared and shared equally. And if you believe that, 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 that premise, then you've got to find a taxation system that allows that to happen as fairly as you can make it uh, happen. Do I think that that matters now uh, as much as it did in the founding um, era of the BBC over 100 years ago? Yes, I do. Um, I, I, I think that in a more atomized world, in a more personalized world, those things that bring us together, those things that by serendipity we can come across that, that helps us to broaden who we are uh, and express who we are really matter. So I think the issue is to find a way of doing that fairly uh, and um, uh, and is with, with as least fuss as possible. Um, but I go back, that should follow a debate about what people want from public service broadcasting and what they want from the BBC. And that, in my mind, is crucial before you decide on how you can fund it. And the debate has been too much about how you fund it and not enough about what you want it to do. One other angle of the debate is um, the degree to which it's institutions and you're funding an institution to do some of that stuff versus the degree to which you could you could do it in other in other ways, an arts council of the air, contestable funding, etc. So, um, would love to get your perspective. You, I mean, you, you, I think you've alluded to this in, in some of your answers already. What makes a Blue Planet to specifically BBC because it's broadcast on the BBC versus uh, somebody else being able to pitch for it and have exactly the same show but put somewhere else. David Attenborough um, famously, I mean, he, he he makes nature documentaries for Sky and Netflix and for the BBC. Um, Strictly Come Dancing is available on American commercial networks. It's not quite the same thing and it might have a better product placement, but actually the core, some of, it, if, you, if you did a Pepsi taste test on it, some of the core public service values in those shows would still be would still be there. What what enhances and accentuates them because it is part of a, a it is brought to you under the wrapper of the BBC. So John, uh, what was interesting for me was to spend um, twelve years out um, in, uh, as it were, out in the in the world <laughs> of arts and culture, um, uh, running a, an organisation <clears throat> uh, delivering opera and ballet uh, to as many people as we could get through the uh, through the doors, and it was really interesting seeing how serendipity. Um, the fact that someone who makes costumes could meet somebody who was a musician, who could meet somebody who was doing, who was singing, who could meet someone who was a dancer, how all sorts of ideas came because of cross-fertilization like that. Um, and when I went back to the BBC, um, I spent quite a lot of time, I mean, I always spent at least a day a week out uh, of the office talking to, to teams. And the people who impressed me a lot with the in-house drama uh, uh, teams for this idea. I mean, everybody impressed me, to be honest with you, because it's a very committed organization. But the, the, the people who are doing in-house drama and also the, the, the people at the Natural History Unit and talking to them uh, and listening to what they were saying, they had more ideas than the BBC could cope with. So there was a kind of feeling that, um, you know, you'd pitch to a, a controller, um, they'd have an idea, they'd have to choose between in-house production and, um, uh, and some indie. And the bias might be, I don't know whether this is the case or not, might be to say, do you know what, the, the in-house one, uh, uh, you know, um, we'll take the indie outside because they might go somewhere else with that, with that idea. Um, 
And so um, I got to work and we set up something which is now uh, established called BBC Studios, which actually was a fundamental change in the way that the BBC worked, a, an enormous uh, change um, uh, and really probably the biggest change for, 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 for a very long time in the way the BBC organises. And this was based on the fact that we have amazing programmers, uh, program makers within the BBC, incredible talent. The NHU is absolutely world-class, but they were being constrained by only being able to bid uh, uh, their ideas into into um, in, into the BBC channels. So the National History Unit is now doing stuff for Discovery. Uh, the expertise they have, um, uh, and it's an amazing series, which actually ended up on Apple, which is using all the science that they had access to and showing how the dinosaurs lived. And they showed me the dinosaur footprints and how they built uh, all sorts of material on this. This is allowing the BBC to retain and to attract. Um, great talent who can make things for the BBC or can make things for others. And I think in terms of um, the programme making capacity of the organisation, this is really important. And I think that is a sustainable proposition for the BBC going forward. I guess the question that, that arises from that is, um, if that's the case, so there's been, there's been an experiment recently in children's content. Uh, so the, the, um, uh, the, the so-called Yak Fund, uh, which was a bit of spare uh, I think digital switchover money that was put to one side and then used um, that the, the essentially other PSBs who weren't the BBC could could bid for for, for children's money. Um, why why wouldn't it make sense to to kind of extend that model further? Um, put say there there is a pool of public money here that we're going to invest in content that we think should exist, and actually that could go to a variety of different organisations, but wouldn't necessarily have to funnel through the BBC. But I mean, essentially, you extend the logic further, and the BBC itself has to has to bid for that money. But why do you um, put it that way around when actually you've got um, a Channel 4 who um, you hope continues doing what they're doing, uh, who uh, are not a charge against anybody, it's all advertising funded, um, uh, are actually making programmes happen um, uh, against you know, their criteria of uh, what they're there to do. The BBC likewise uh, uh, is open for competition from, um, uh, from outside uh, uh, companies to uh, compete against um, in-house or BBC studios on a level playing field. Why do you need to introduce yet another level of bureaucracy by saying you have a kind of art council of the air to do that? I think what you then start doing um, is losing the expertise, uh, the, I mean, serendipitous nature often of, of, of um, the way that creative conversations happen uh, for something which is intensely bureaucratic, I would imagine. Um, uh, and uh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I can't see the point of, of changing to that. I can see the point of a small fund as the uh, government set up. Um, I, I think one of the things you've got to be careful about is that, you know, you, you want a properly funded BBC, you want a, a Channel 4, which is also doing things um, uh, uh, according to its proper remit as well. And I think the danger is that these funds are often really an excuse to shrink the amount that goes into the BBC or others. And I think that's, a, that's another problem for the funding. But that's why I go back. There needs to be a proper debate about the level of funding into an organisation like the BBC um, uh, against the purposes that you set for it. I guess the logic of the question is, in, at a time of, of constrained public finances and cost of living and so on, um, when you were uh, pitching for charter renewal 20, whatever it was, 2014, 2015, I mean, I think you're... Your key message from that was pretty pretty consistent with the Ofcom message at the time, which was uh, the opportunity for PSB for a unique public value contribution alongside the global streamers and others uh, is huge, but it needs resourcing properly. Um, and 
uh, at the time, the I think you you were very public in saying the the scope and scale of what we currently do is unsustainable with the resources that we have, let alone the opportunity that we could be delivering, um, and therefore this needs to be properly funded. Um, similarly, I would think if you look at any Ofcom uh, uh, piece of research over the course of the last 20 years, I mean, in round numbers, 2004 to 2018, in real terms, about a billion dollars dropped out of content investment every every year. Mm. So the challenge becomes, how do you square the circle? Uh, if you want to be delivering that public value and can't necessarily put more money into it, are there other mechanisms that can can be can be made to work? And what what uh, uh, what implication does that have? Um, how much of a risk is there at the moment? Given the given the pressure on resources and the and the 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 particularly the pressure on license fee resources, that essentially the BBC is a kind of classic frog in hot water. Um, it's it, it it can't jump out. The water's heating up, but in terms of the model and the strengths of the model, um, it is uniquely advantaged in its purpose and its remit. But on the other hand, it is uniquely disadvantaged in being able to think the unthinkable. One of the things that's always struck me is that in a way you can't have the debate you can't start the debate about is there a different way of doing this for the bbc without it becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy or having a, a staff revolt on your hands mm -hmm. to what extent can the bbc actually if the, if there is an argument to say we need to rethink this to what extent can the bbc itself actually do that i think the bbc needs to lead the lead the debate that's what i tried to do in uh, 13 14 15 um actually in a very different diff difficult environment you know post saddle post payoffs all that sort of stuff the BBC needs to uh, kind of lead, uh, lead, lead that debate. And I think um, the debate is one that um, if you lay out um, what has happened to BBC funding, uh, and if you lay out um, what you could do with increased funding, and, and I, 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 you know, everyone always says, how can you even think about uh, increased funding? I go back, if the need is there, um, uh, both journalistically, both culturally both in terms of creative economies then at least have the debate and don't self-censure your, your, yourself I mean um, and you know looking back I think probably the turn of the century or most certainly 1990 that period then when extending choice um, was uh, the, the, the BBC's mission um, um, I think these fundamental things need to be discussed and, and, and debated and brought to the fore I mean, there's another role we've not talked about, um, uh, but the role that the BBC does in terms of soft power. Um, and um, uh, I, I managed to win from the then Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, um, uh, George Osborne, 85 million a year to put into World Service. Um, and uh, that is the biggest increase in the World Service budget, I think, since the Second World War. It's that fundamental. Um, and the reason that the BBC is now getting to roughly 480 million people per week globally is because of that investment. I mean, it's the rest of the stuff they do, but that investment really helped to big, do the big push. Um, uh, and when the current chancellor, Jeremy Hunt was in the foreign, uh, as foreign secretary in one of the previous administrations, uh, he had me into his office and said, how do we get to a billion? Now, again, I think this is something that needs to be part of a, a big debate. Um, you've got our need for information for our democracy. You've got our culture. You've got our creative industries and you've also got our soft power globally. And again, this needs to be part of the discussion which happens. Do we think we can build on that? You know, because actually at, at 480 million or whatever the figure currently is uh, per week, you know, you I, I don't know what the latest uh, figures are for Twitter. Sometimes people say it's 220 million. Some people say it's 400 million. I don't know. But, you know, you, you have a major, major uh, positioning there for the UK, which is really beneficial for us.
And that I think needs to be part of any discussion or debate. How do you fund that properly? If you look across, uh, say the last, I don't know, 20 years or so, um, what have been the opportunities that have been missed? Well, kangaroo, most obviously. I mean, the, the, the public service broadcasters were um, absolutely uh, ahead of the game on that. Uh, and that must be a failure of uh, policymaking then that um, we couldn't go ahead with uh, a player which would have brought us all together. I think, um, uh, I think there was still an argument uh, for saying that in the prominence debate, is there a way in which you can bring together the public service broadcasters uh, in one place in some way? Um, I think that's very hard to do, but nonetheless, if you're thinking there's, you know, is, is there some, some strength there through them coming together? Uh, and uh, maybe we should have been debating that more. But I think if you go back, I think it was kangaroo was uh, a serious failure. Um, one of the things you laid out uh, was around the idea of the of open BBC. So um, the, the the kind of the ability to to or the desire to partner and share and the, te the what technology can enable the BBC to do things differently in terms of how it partners in particular. Um, intrigued that uh, as as uh, as as i understand it there was an internal debate about bbc sounds which was actually should this be bbc content or, or should it be a wider portfolio of content ended up being a bbc um uh, a bbc focus or bbc content focused proposition was there where where were you in the thinking in terms of actually this could this could become radio player and sounds player this could become you know the the, the uk hub for this kind of content and therefore aggregate that which would which arguably would have delivered significant public value in terms of what the bbc can do yeah, I mean, the, the, the BBC Sounds um, uh, transformation was really important because I, I believed, uh, as did James Pennell, that, that actually we need to do what we'd done with iPlayer, um, uh, uh, with, with radio, with, with audio, have podcasts and so on. Uh, and we tried really, really hard to bring um, all the commercial uh, broadcasters on board um, uh, as well. Uh, we couldn't do that at that time. Um, I still think it would be a good idea going forward. The BBC would have to um, think of a way that maybe makes sounds a bit less BBC uh, and more um, generic to say this is the kind of, you know, the public service content that we can give access to. Um, uh, and I think those are the sort of things which the BBC is going to have to think of, um, you know, very hard um, going forward. Is there a way, as would an ITV, as would the commercial radio, again, um, how do you make the best play you can to give uh, the people in this country the access um, uh, to the very best? And I, and I, 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 I think um, we could have got there with sounds, um, but we did, didn't manage to. I mean, I think in a way that's also, it's not a failure, it's just we couldn't get there. Because I think BBC Sounds is, is an immensely successful um, uh, uh, app um, um, asset for the BBC. Um one of the things that's happened in the most recent Ofcom review is that public service broadcasting is becoming public service media. So in a way, embracing the fact that it's not just necessarily a linear stream and TV and radio, but actually it's online and all the rest of it. When you look back and kind of trace the threads through of the pushback against some of the BBC submissions over the years, um, um, our most recent one of these was a conversation with Mike Darcy, which is fascinating to get his perspective from the, from the other side of the table or the other side of the select committee. Um, which was around how do you, uh, the, the arguments were made at the time, um, going back 15, 20 years, which is actually, well, hang on a minute, why is the BBC extending into online and the web and and uh, and content that's not linear? We can we can begin to get our heads around it being a catch-up service, but beyond that, how does that work? 
Um, you must have been part of that, particularly around charter renewal. Uh, how does that argument go that the BBC should be that, that, that essentially that um, what 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 how does the role of the BBC change as the content itself changes and becomes public service media rather than public service broadcasting? Well, it's the leopard, isn't it? It's the kind of um, uh, it's it's that you know great novel which is you you have to change to stay the same, um, and I think the the um, the values that you stand for and the things that you stand for, which we've been talking about um, this afternoon, uh, then you have to adapt both those values and what you're about to the new market, to the new ways of, 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 of delivery. Um, uh, and I think that's one of the things which I think the BBC has been very successful with. I mean, as, when I was first in news, we um, set up, you know, News 24, as it then was called, Radio 5 Live. Um, and news online, which everyone wondered what news online was all about. Well, thank God we did that back in the nineties. Um, uh, so you're constantly adapting, um, but to deliver uh, the content to the values that you think um, matter for people. Um, now, the, the the you know the, the issues then become if people and the issues we 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 um, struggle with, I think, with the uh, regulators with Ofcom was um, uh, on the one hand, the public have invested in all this content. Um, so how long should they have access to it for? So that was, a you know, we were talking about difficulties before, uh, like with Kangaroo, that was, that was one of the other difficulties we found with, with Ofcom bluntly, which was, you know, that th we had to fight very hard um, and with rights holders to say, if the public have invested in this content, then they should have, they should have access to it on iPlayer sounds, whatever, for as long as we can possibly get the right holders to agree. Um, and uh, that was controversial, that was difficult, that took a long time to do. Um, and I think the way in which we are, uh, the BBC rather, is regulated uh, by Ofcom needs to speed up and needs to um, react to the changes in demand and the way audiences consume media much more quickly than it does at the moment. You've been very generous with your time, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap things up with a slight look forward. Um, between now and uh, 2028, when the next charter has to come in, uh, we've also got new BBC charter, um, license renewals for three, four and five, uh, end of ring fencing for Sky News. So kind of some pretty fundamental change to the ecosystem and and overshadowing that, an, an announcement by the previous Secretary of State that the license fee will come to an end. Um, some pretty fundamental changes in the, in the landscape are, are possible. Uh, Mark Thompson, when he came back, I think when he was still um, uh, CEO of the New York Times, um, made a, a typically provocative speech that, you know, there's a, th that line on the horizon you can see is a tsunami and it's coming at you. Uh, and the way to react to tsunamis is actually fairly fundamental change and, and, and rethink things from first principles. Interestingly, in the conversation we had with him, uh, when, when asked the question, what should we do now? It was very evolutionary. So there's a lot of things that work well. Uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But at the same time, you need to recognize that some fairly fundamental things changing. Um, and uh, and how to address them? I appreciate you can't you 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 wouldn't want to put uh, but kind of comment on on how the BBC necessarily is currently functioning. But how fundamental a change do you think is you know, how how fundamental a change in the, in the thinking is required? Uh, do you see that happening? And one of the questions we're asking people is: there have been moments in the past, uh, specifically around Peacock and Pilkington, kind of major milestones where actually there's been a rethink to say actually what do we want and how are we going to make it happen. And do you see that thinking happening in the system right now? And if not, what should we do about it? Uh, I don't see it happening in the system right now. Um, and I think the classic way that big changes 
uh, tend to happen uh, with broadcasting is it all happens at a rush and often behind closed doors. Um, and uh, I think there needs to be, I, I, I don't know whether it's a rethink, I think it needs to be a think uh, and a think about what we want out of public service media, um, uh, how we can keep the good things that that has given us, adapt those to the new markets, uh, adapt those to new audiences, um, uh, and most certainly don't um, chuck away those things that are working, but also look at what is changing and whether there is a, a role, a scope for public service media to do uh, new things, answering um, new issues, which we as citizens, as consumers uh, need to have uh, answered. Now, so that, that, that to me says a, a, a pretty big debate, fundamental debate. What is the best way of doing that? Well, well, we can do that through the House of Lords Select Committee, through DCMS Select Committee in the Commons. Um, but there may be other routes as well. And I, and I think um, I, my own view, I don't have an answer. My own view is the most important thing is we recognize that there are some fundamental uh, moments, I suppose, coming up very, very soon. Um, uh, and that although it, people say, well, the BBC Charter's still got till 2027, that's a long time off. And you know, who knows what might have happened by then? No, that debate needs to begin now. Uh, we need to, uh, and it needs to be led by evidence, by data, but also by the people who we are there to serve, the consumers, the license fee payers, um, you know, the people of this country. One of the interesting, most interesting conversations we've had at the forum recently was somebody from the OECD who specializes in citizen assemblies and actually said there are mechanisms here where very complicated debating issues that where you actually need to put the right people in a room and give them the time in the debate and actually they come up with very sensible answers. I just think if, if, if ever there was a moment to think creatively about how we solve some of these problems, it's probably now. I, I think that's com completely, completely right. I think citizen assemblies or whatever uh, are one of the routes to coming to conclusions. But, you know, I was president of the uh, European Broadcasting Union and um, uh, really enjoyed that role. And people kept coming to me and saying, you guys have got it right in this country. How come you keep knocking it and want to demolish it? What the hell is going on? And I think, um, you know, whatever we do, we should look at how we produce content here, um, inform our citizens, uh, educate our citizens, and compare that to others. I, I think we'd be surprised at how good things are in this country, and we want to build on them uh, uh, going forward and adapt and change, of course, of course, but don't throw things out that are really working very well. You've been enormously generous with your time and insight, as ever. Thank you very much indeed. My pleasure, John. Following that call to arms from Lord Hall, we hear a very contrasting view in our next episode in which I spoke to Mike Darcy. Mike spent 14 years at Sky, including eight years as Director of Strategy and six as COO. We discussed what it's like building a successful commercial broadcaster while outside the circle of wagons of PSB institutions and regulation. Mike gave insights on how Sky engages with public policy debates about PSB and why it embraced news, kids and arts, which many would argue are classic PSB genres and examples of market failure. We also discussed his point of view that the BBC has always been a subscription broadcaster and now needs to take the remaining steps to embrace that future. But he also said that radical change is unlikely in the near future and that the current system ensures healthy competition to the benefit of viewers. 
It was a really great and insightful conversation, and I hope you'll listen in. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure the episode is easily available as soon as it's published.